0: The Sports, Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Liking. Well, Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What happened. we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome
1: they to the conference.
2: Sports
0: Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Hey guys, gals, welcome, welcome, welcome to Briefcast 45 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Of course, the podcast. And when I want to come to you guys solo, without the special teams unit, And uh, the briefcats were designed to come to you between full-fledged episodes, and we've done that but it's sort of evolved into a thing that I do more frequently than I do full-fledged episodes these days as we have done 44 45 shows this uh this year. And uh, again, we have more of this year to come, so we've had uh we've had a lot of time to try to uh again entertain you guys and inform you and gather new listeners and have a whole lot of fun in between time. Well, this time out, briefcast 45, a lot of fun stuff coming up and I'll get into a rundown of what we are going to uh do this episode and i do want to suggest that you guys listen throughout if you feel like you can't continuously listen skip around and i want you to catch some of the features especially towards the end of the show the Lamont award before i let go and some of the stuff we do in the second half i encourage you guys if you don't hang that long sort of skip around and see what you like because i want i create an entire show for you guys not just a beginning and then fluff no it's an entire show and we break these things up to try to keep it interesting and moving along at a rapid pace because i know you guys are on the go you're on the move you're doing what you do and you don't have all the time in the world to get your sports information so this is sort of an amalgamation of all the stuff that's out there i curate the information and i try to present it to you through my lens so uh, that's a fancy way of saying hey Don't worry about it. If you miss the games, some of the games will get you caught up on what I deem are the important points. But first I want to remind you to go to the Wade's word productions website. W A D E S W O R D P R O D U C T I O N S dot com. So I think I got that right. Long pauses in between, but com. If you have not gone to the website, I suggest you do so, and I suggest that you subscribe. Now, there you have all of the episodes. Every episode we've done, the specials, the full-fledged episodes, the briefcast, the promos, the stuff that I did before. A an, an actual podcast was formed. You, you can see sort of the evolution of how all of this stuff got started. That's at wayswordproductions.com. In addition to that, you can get info on the TFE, the Friday Express group on Facebook. So there's some musical stuff there. There's some opportunities to shop and an opportunity to get familiar with our sponsors. You definitely want to do that at wayswordproductions.com. And you can contact me on social media at Wades Word on Twitter. Wade's word on Twitter, and of course, D Wade 909 on Instagram. And on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. So all that's out of the way. Oh, but I have to do this. Want to remind you guys, and we're going to utilize this, this episode, the sports line, the Sports Talk Sports Line, 24 hours a day. If you have something on your mind, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And we have some that we'll play during our We the People segment. So with that, let's get into it. Preview of what we have coming up for you this time out. First, uh, we have the Brand new segment that's not remotely related to sports most of the time, but it's sort of some insight about me and what I am going through in life. Then we will get into some headlines or at least we'll get into the things that I want to focus on this time out. And I am going to uh, play an excerpt from a interview uh, inside of KTSU sports talk that we had with Texas Southern baseball coach, Michael Robertson. Now he gave us some insight. He'll give you guys. He gave us on Saturday. Insight into uh, the thinking behind manager A.J. Hinch's decisions, at least his perception as a fellow manager. Not on the big leagues, but on the collegiate level. But, again, a baseball man is a baseball man is a baseball man. So we have that coming up for you. We have uh, some We the People comments coming up for you where some folks called in at 832-941-6614 and phone number to get involved in the conversation. So we'll get into that, and then we'll get into... not only who was nice, but who was de-nice. And when we come back on the other side, we'll get into uh, some NFL stuff. We'll have Lamont Award, and we will get into Before I Let Go. want to remind you guys that if, if, you are interested in having your music played on our podcast please email me at mute. well not email me but email us at music at wayswordproductions.com. music at Productions.com and uh, make sure it's radio edit the genre does not matter we will play a snippet at the halfway point and we will play an entire track at the end of the podcast with that let's get into what's brand new brand new brand new brand new What's brand new with me is that I am still in mourning over the Houston Astros. Now, uh, that's not the sole reason why I haven't come to you in about a week so I mean, it's been a little bit longer than we wanted it to be, want to come to you a little bit more frequently than that uh, but because everything is going on in the world of sports but I've been tremendously busy and so uh, we've done some fun stuff and I've uh, been ripping and running quite a bit and I have not had an opportunity to come to you guys but that will change and in addition to that I will probably start doing some more live stuff some Facebook live stuff, some more interactive stuff so uh, we've been doing that. so that's what's been going on but yeah, you know the Astros thing really kind of struck me a little bit harder than i anticipated it took me back to the uh, sports tragedies of my childhood whether it's the houston oilers from uh, 79 80 or 70 yeah 78 79 uh, when they couldn't get past steel curtain and the pittsburgh steelers uh, to Fox slamma which was the worst the pinnacle of my pain and suffering as a houstonian this is what this is what locally you cannot get if you're not a Houstonian. You you don't understand that pain. And and maybe if you're young, it doesn't matter. But uh, and maybe if you're a younger listener, it doesn't matter. But to know the pain of five a jam is to really know what it's like. And a lot of folks, uh, younger folks, don't even re- remember uh, the championships in '94, '95 uh, for the Houston Rockets. But anyway, I've had a lot of uh, really uh, sports tragedies, if, as it were, as it pertains to wins and losses. And you know what? It, it was really game six. I was so wrapped up. Because again, I, and I mentioned this, and I, you'll hear that uh, in the conversation with Coach Michael Robinson, that I really got so wrapped up in this series. I hadn't watched a lot of the Astros like I used to when I was a kid, and even as a young adult when I was uh, doing newspaper stuff, and I was at the I was at the dome at the ballpark, even at Minute Maid or Enron every other night. I was there a lot. Not I, I probably let's see if they had uh, eighty-one home games. I probably made thirty. Something like that, maybe maybe 40, you know, sometimes. And, and, you know, certain series I would go every night, whatever, whatever. But anyway, I hadn't had a chance to really watch them. I and I really got wrapped up in this series. And it really kind of started with Tampa Bay and then, of course, the Yankees. And then, I mean, the World Series was the World Series. What a weird and odd World Series. So yeah, uh, it, it, after six, I just felt like man, I, I had a dream. I dreamed about it. I dreamed about it. Can you believe that? I dreamed about the Houston Astros, and that was that was not good. I, I mean, it was a, a tossing. T- and I came. I mean, probably because I watched the game and the post game right up until I closed my eyes. That was just so. It was such an intense experience, and I felt like they blew the World Series in six. I didn't really feel like they could win it in seven, although they had their chances, and we will get into that. But then I have to settle this bet with Mark Gray. And I did a Facebook live with him in in the DC area in the, what the DMV, the DMV. I did the DMV. We, he and I uh, went on and we talked about it. And if they had lost, he was going to mail me some mambo sauce. If you don't know what mambo sauce is, I saw a documentary on, like a little uh, short show on, I guess on the internet, I forget where I found it. But anyway, mom, which I'd never heard of, it doesn't sound tremendously appealing, but he raves about it and I'm curious enough that I want to at least try it so I can get the taste of DC. That was the bet, And if I lost, I would send him some authentic Texas barbecue sauce. So I don't know. I will find some, I'm taking suggestions by the way. If you have any suggestions on some authentic barbecue sauce, I can send Mark Gray to pay off my debt with the Astros losing. Please let me know. That is something that we will do. And again, this team, you never know if they'll get back. Especially in baseball, they have offered um Gary Cole, who's a free agent, a qualifying offer of, what, $17 million. And, of course, they can negotiate. He'll probably make about $33, 34000000 million a year. Astros, they ain't paying that. So, you can... Say goodbye to him, but they can bolster their bullpen because a lot of guys who gave up runs are free agents and they can make a run and some different and better free agents to uh, sort of solidify that bullpen. But we'll get into winter stove stuff at some point, but that's going on. And of course, last time out, we had a conversation with Houston city council person, Amanda Edwards, she's running for us Senate. And, you know, it was just a change of pace for me and whatever And been. Of course I have alluded to, if I've not delved into the fact that I am a political junkie of sorts and I am constantly, I, I've kind of pulled back a little bit. I've just, it was just, it was overload and it was a lot of redundancies. And now it's to the point, well, what are we going to do? I mean, what are we really, really going to do? We know we, we everybody has what we need. Uh, so, what are we really going to do as a country? I mean, do we really? I mean, we have to pull people's heads literally out of the sand—not literally, but maybe in some cases—to see what's going on here. So, what are we going to do? So, we know that we, we know that it's a guilty situation, and we know that we need to make a move. And just like, hey, we need to go to the bullpen. We need to make a move. Uh, so it's just about that. But anyway, I've talked about my political leanings, and uh, much to the chagrin, I'm sure, of some of you folks. Um, but I will say this: uh, I have for the first time in my life, I made a fine. Well, uh, maybe the second. Is it the second? I, I, I prefaced. I, I thought about this, and I, as I put this, I th- is this? A, did I give to Obama? I'm not sure that I did, but I know for sure that for the first time, I've given money to a presidential candidate. Now I won't say which one it is, but if that person becomes the president, I will take instant ownership. <laughs> like, hey, I have a street light that's out. What are you gonna do, president? I gave you money. Now again, the money I gave was not significant at all, but it's it was more symbolic and it was more of me saying, okay, I want to put my money where my support is for this particular candidate. Now, if they lose, you'll never know who it was. But if they win, I will surely let you guys know who I gave money to. But, yeah, I feel, I feel emboldened. I feel empowered that I actually gave money. Now, can you imagine if I would given millions of dollars to some pack or something? Or if I would, had funneled a bunch of money to I would feel like, hey, I need to go and sleep in the Lincoln Bedroom. But my little money I gave. So, yeah. And, of course, it was election day here in the city of Houston. So we got involved with all of those things as well. And, you know, I I, I tweeted this last night that I voted, but it's not official until you put it on Instagram that I voted sticker. If if you you have to put that on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram to show that that's when your vote becomes official. You have to let the world know. And you know why I do that? not to brag and boast that i'm somehow better than you no it's to say that hey we collectively need to do that if popeye's chicken sandwiches can trend all over the world i voted should be able to trend at least for that day so it's not that i'm looking down my nose at anybody it's just to say hey i did it you can you should too so that's what's brand new with me and so with that let's get into some headlines in headlines so much is going on so many things are going on from college basketball to the nfl to the nba uh, to college football big game this weekend lsu alabama that's huge nba well underway six seven games in for most teams and we're starting to see some stuff going on the rocks are sort of struggling but lebron is reborn he's doing he's doing his thing and he's had three consecutive games of triple doubles we'll talk more about him down the road but the lakers six and one on the season and they put up a, a bunch of points and i'll talk again i'll talk about that a little bit uh later on rockets again have struggled some other things going on zion of course not in yet uh but other things around the league Uh, Steph Curry goes down. That happened since the last time I came to you guys. It's been, you know, it's it's off to a start. And I'm just not really fully ready to embrace the NBA. So I tried to do what I always do. When I want to make sure I pay attention to what's going on in the NBA, I gamble. I go to, <laughs> I don't get to say, I can't say gamble because I don't, I, I, I utilize my skill in fantasy basketball. That way I will watch games and watch plays that I don't normally watch or pay attention to because I have money on the line. So I did do that and I have been getting into basketball a little bit. And, and you know what irks me about the NBA is that it's, and this is about sports, period we're already on to the next thing. And then I mean, we're talking about who's going to be number one draft pick next year with six games in seven games into the NBA season. And people are talking about LaMelo ball. This is crazy to me. It's insane. Oh, oh, Anthony Davis says, Oh, he would love to someday play in his hometown of Chicago. And of course he's a free agent next year. And he can, you know, he can opt out or whatever. Really seven games in, What are we doing here? I guess we like the hot stove with the NBA equivalent to hot stove with all the free agency movements so much that it's more important than the actual season. But we're seven games in. Stop. Stop. Let's just enjoy what we have. Please. Can we do that? I I don't, you know, although it'll be Christmas until we, some of us really, really get involved, but I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it seeing Harden struggle, the load management thing. I really want to get into that, and I will get into that. I won't get into that yet, but I do want to get into the load management thing because it's rearing its ugly head already this season. And, again, we're only seven games in. It's crazy. In the NFL, it's all about the Baltimore Ravens. It's all, the Ravens, they beat the Patriots. And so this. a couple things happen with this, and I think the most important thing is – that the Patriots have been exposed. And if you want to talk a little bit about that, let, let's get into that. Let's talk a little bit about that. The Patriots coming into this game undefeated and you know, the world was theirs. number one defense. They were incredible. Only allowed 50 some odd points. On the season through like eight games, I mean they they were supposed to be everything, everything, and then some. And then you have Lamar Jackson, who is the flavor of the week. We've seen it this year already. Three different quarterbacks already this year: Pat Mahomes. Well, yeah, I mean if you want to count Russell, Russell is four. But Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson—all of the flavor of the week. And not to take anything away from any of those quarterbacks, each one of these quarterbacks gets a week. Or a couple of weeks. Now, Pat Mahomes has been hurt and looking for him to come back. So, it'll be his week next week. And now, sort of Russell Westbrook's, I mean, not Russell Bro- Westbrook, Russell Wilson. Rus- Russell Wilson uh, for Seattle, who a lot of people think is the MVP, uh, MVP to this point. And I'm one of those people. I think he's the MVP to this point. Christian McCaffrey uh, has, a, has a case for it, but... Seattle's a little bit better team. And so I think that's what we, that's why I tend to lean. I want to get on that. But anyway, back to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Ravens couldn't get it together early on, kind of had some bumps in the road, and Cleveland, you know, jumped on them and beat them. And Cleveland didn't beat anybody, but they beat them. But again, a lot of people favored uh, the Baltimore Ravens in this situation, and they came out and prevailed and put up, what, 37 points or something on them? Uh, they put it on them. It, but you'd look at New England and <laughs> Kevin Allen, he put this on his Facebook page. Who is the MVP so far? Is it, and I don't think he even named Jimmy Garoppolo, but he named like McCabry, uh, He put, he added uh, Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes or Tom Brady. And I'm like, Tom Brady, this dude's stats are like middle of the pack. This, he's not even at the top. Why this guy? And his retort, of course, hey no, hey no. No, you had the number one defense, but now you play somebody because essentially the opponents you had before Baltimore averaged 2.25 wins on the season. They had a record of 18 wins and 48 losses. So that's not to say that when it's time to get it going, the Patriots won't be able to get it going. They made plenty of moves. They added Muhammad Sanu. They lost Josh Gordon. And he was injured in some technicality in which they had to waive him. And then they were going to bring him back if he didn't get claimed. And, of course, the Seattle Seahawks claimed him. But the Patriots, to this point, have been exposed. And they will lose probably two or three more games. I I think easily two or three more games. They're not that good in a lot of important places. Now, their defense did astronomical work. Just, just astounding stuff. They were great, but you have to look at the opponent. You're talking about the Jets twice, Miami. Uh, let's see here: the New York Giants, um, the Buffalo Bills, the Steelers, and the Redskins. That's the, that's who they've played so far. So uh, we'll we'll see again. I, this is a team that every single year gets better, and they will probably have home field advantage. Because they play in the worst division in all of football, but that was a wake-up call, and you have to give all the credit in the world to Lamar Jackson. He was amazing, and he just did his thing. And you, you, I mean, he looked like the new breed of NFL quarterback. He got it done, so that's a a big, big deal. On the other side of the Cleveland Browns, and I'll get into uh, the Cleveland Browns quite a bit, but that is something that was big. LSU, Alabama, we can't get into it, but. Mm, mm, I will take, I will take LSU. I will take LSU to win that game. So the other part is the NCAA said said they didn't implement totally that they will abide by or in some form or fashion the fair pay for play pay for play the the legislation enacted by the state of California. NCAA said yes, we will allow guys to make money off their likeness. So we'll see, but they, they put a big caveat on that the big, hold on. We have to implement this. We have to find out the best way to implement this. So, and the college football playoffs, uh, they, uh, the top four ranking came out, I guess the rank for the top 25, but the top four, well, Ohio state number one. Anyway, that's a whole uh, different thing. So if you want to comment on any of those things, you can, and speaking of comment, People have gotten involved with the "We the People" segment. The people. Now, in the "We the People" segment, segment I usually ask you guys around. a poll question got on the Sports Talk around. with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook, and on the Wade's Word Productions page on the "We the People." I have a "We the People" page under the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page, so all of that—that's going on, and and that's cool. So uh, I post. Uh, post poll, poll questions but in addition to that you can call 832-941-6614 had a couple calls this time out right, let's hear what folks were talking about on the uh sports line the sports talk with Devin wade sports line
3: what up d wade uh Devin wade that is i ain't not want to get you confused with uh, gabrielle's man but uh what's up man enjoying listening to the show it's the one and only nate jones i appreciate the shout out I'm going to go ahead and hop right in. Uh, Best team in the NFC, Niners. They play defense and they run the ball. That right there, and they do it well. They do it better than anybody right now to me. Even better than the Patriots as far as running the ball. I mean, the Patriots have been – they good. Don't get it twisted. But I think the Niners are the team to beat in the NFC. Patriots obviously the team to beat in the AFC. That would be my dream, Super Bowl matchup, Niners versus the Patriots. Kyle Shanahan getting another opportunity to go against Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. Hopefully this time he won't blow a 28-3 lead. As far as basketball is concerned, I'm all in on the Clippers, man. I know that injuries are a factor, but we saw Kawhi battle. People forget Kawhi was injured in the playoffs last year, and he battled through and willed that team to a victory over another injured team. But hey, <laughs> everybody, we you can basically count somebody going to be injured come, come years in. Now, I've seen Kawhi play through it, and I'm not saying he automatically going to be able to do it again, but I've seen him be able to do it. He did it just last year. He played through multiple injuries in the playoffs and still willed that team to a victory. And I think the Clippers play way too much defense for any team in the NBA right now. When they when they ratchet up that defense, when them boys get Patrick Beverly and those boys get to the, get the going, defensively, I don't think anybody can mess with them. So I'm going with the Clippers out the West. I'm going with probably the Bucks out the East. I think I trust the Bucks the most. because They got the best player out there right now. He played both sides of the ball. I look at people that play both sides. So I'm going to go with the B- Clippers and the Bucks, man. Hey, but I keep listening and uh, enjoying the show. I'll holler at you next week.
0: I want to thank my man nate jones for chiming in and i'll tell you what i wonder if his views have changed since another team who really runs the football well the baltimore ravens uh, since they handed the patriots their first loss on the season the san francisco 49ers can uh, they continue to roll and they're doing their thing in the nfc but are we ready to see the 49ers in the super bowl I, I don't know i think out of all i mean if you want to go by a popularity contest it's certainly not it but that's not what this is about anyway can they make it there I, they have a couple big games, including against the Seattle Seahawks this week. We'll have to see. That'll tell me more about them and where they are uh, as uh, we move forward. And again, they have more tough divisional games, so we'll have to see about the 49ers and how real they are. Uh, When you talk about the Patriots again, you know where where they'll be. Uh, You know, I picked the (laughs) Los Angeles Chargers, and and again, big win for them over the Packers this week, but again, they have to put together more consistency. Melvin Ingram is back in the flow. you got. Gordon back and again you have talent on that team Hunter Henry is healthy again so they have pieces and they're doing their thing so let's see if they can round in the shape but they have to win some crucial games moving forward uh, but we'll have to see how all of that plays out but interesting to see if Nate uh, really changes his views after the loss uh, to the Baltimore Ravens as it pertains to basketball yeah you know injuries are the big X factor uh, with all of that and with load management we'll talk more about that we can get in more into low management, let's see how these guys try to work these guys uh, down the stretch in the second half of the season. I mean, There's a lot of back, I mean, we're just seven games in, like I said, we're seven games in, so we'll have to see. Um, uh, but I picked in the uh Western Conference, I picked the Denver Nuggets. Now, I was being a contrarian, I don't, you know, I don't know, and they certainly haven't started well, they have struggled out of the gate. Uh, Jokic is, uh, is the, you know, he's not doing well. He's not uh, playing as well. He's uh, overweight from what they say. And they just haven't been able to put it together effort-wise early on. Maybe they've read their press clippings. we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, but the Milwaukee Bucks, I agree with them on, on that. Although the Celtics, man, did you see what Gordon Haywood did the last night or the other night? I mean, hey, that team is going to be a factor to deal with, even without uh, Kyrie Irving. So we'll have to see what happens moving forward. Let's see what we have next.
3: Hey, Devin. This is Edwin Henderson. I saw your post on Facebook asking for comments about the way A.J. Hinch managed Game 7 last night. Since I live four hours from Houston and totally unbiased in this, I'll give you my thoughts. I think Hinch did not play Cole last night and put him in the pitch when I think he could have saved the game for him and they could have won the World Series. I think he chose not to do that because he knew Hinch, or excuse me, he knew Cole wouldn't be an Astro next year and he just wanted to win it without him. My opinion is it blew up in his face. While I hate it for the Astros, Kent's got what he deserved, and certainly nobody can argue the Nationals earned it and deserved it.
0: Have a great day. Leave it to my guy, Elwin Henderson, to come up with a unique angle on that. You know, and the only thing that I will say, and, and I've had a, a, a myriad of emotions. I've been all over the place emotionally as it pertains to this. And, and, and you know, I've heard comments from he panicked to, again, I mean, that's an interesting take that, hey, I want to win it without call. I don't think that that necessarily was it. And and I didn't think so at the time. I didn't think he panicked. I think he wanted him to have, I think, first of all, let me say this. He made a clear mistake. It was clearly a mistake uh, to, uh, to not, uh, well, actually I think to to pull Granky at the time, I think I would have let him face, Uh, Howie Kendrick and I would have let saw how that went. And then after that, if I felt like I wanted to make a change, I would have made a change. So uh, that's what I would have done. And that's why I wanted to have a conversation with a baseball man. So we turned to the, the, Manager, the coach, the head baseball coach for Texas Southern University. Uh, his name is Michael Robertson, and he has turned around that Texas Southern baseball program. They're in it every year. Uh, they're near they're champs or nearly champs over the last four or five years of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. But more than that, he's a guy that I'm sure watched a ton more of uh, Major League Baseball than I did. And he watched a ton more of the Houston Astros than I did this season. And, and I'm admitting that. And that's a uh, Efficiency that I have to deal with, uh, but I wanted to include him in the conversation, and that's why I have I, we had him on KTSU Sports Talk. And so here are, this is a snippet of what he had to say on KTSU Sports Talk this past Saturday.
2: Now, I can't doubt anything that they did over the last eight hours or so because you have to take into consideration that the Astros is a ball club that have won 100 and something so games in a regular season for three years in a row. So they weren't going to get, we know that, that the Astros are athletic driven, just like most major league ball clubs now. So AJ wasn't going to get rid of what worked for them. He had a plan going into that last ball game, and that's what he, he stuck with. If you hear him talking to press conference and stuff, he's very adamant about, you know, the decisions he made and what he was going to do. So that was everything was already planned out. I'll say this the things that people are talking about the most, of course, is, should you have kept Granky in, or you know, pulled him out? That was all about trust. That was totally trust. You know, he, he and the other thing about it, they didn't expect for Granky to give them six innings.
0: Right, they, they thought he was days, gonna they go about four. Them,
2: yeah, about four innings because that—that's what he had been giving them. Probably, you know, towards the end of the season and in the playoffs, it's really tough to predict what you're gonna get from Granky because. Frankie just had a hard time of it, you know. But he was he was excellent that night, you know. So we can talk about it till we blow in the face. Uh, the bottom line is is that Harris just didn't make the pitch. If you go back and look at Harris, Harris is the guy that A.J. trusted most out of the bullpen. And I'm not talking about in that particular situation, but throughout the playoff. And it's the reason why I think he had pitched like 10 innings and hadn't given up a run in the playoffs so Until
0: the, the game six. Guy. Yeah,
2: in game six. Yeah, and that's like why I might run not. With, uh, Rendon, yeah. So, for me, that's the only thing because, like, in our system, once a guy fails, he's not going to get the ball the next day. I got to go to the next guy. You know, that's where, you know, managers differ, uh, program system, they differ. But, you know, for the Astros, they're, again, they're analytic driven. So, you know, going in, I think he just felt comfortable in that situation uh, with those next two hitters coming up. His focus was on Harris. You know, there's a lot of things to be questioned, but the thing that stick out most to me was some of the things that the Nationals, you know, had did to get there. And I just have to say that it was their season, and I just want to tell you that, you know, I think A.J. put his team and his players in position to win. I just have to say they didn't come through. Look at what the Astros did with runners in scoring position. That's a stat that we need to focus on. I think they were six for 46 in the playoffs with runners in scoring position. At one point, yeah,
0: at one point they were 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. I think they ended yeah. up being, like, in the World Series, I think they were, like, 3 for 18 or something and with runners in scoring position, so. Very
2: uncharacteristic, Doc. Well, the whole, you know, postseason, they just wasn't themselves because basically the way that they were hitting, you know, we're creatures of habit. So that shows have some really strong, young talent. You know, and sometimes we can be too good and not, you know, wanting to make adjustments. And baseball is a game of adjustments. So if you watch the way that the Nationals pitched the Astros and the way that the Astros hit, the Astros really limited themselves to one side of the field. They didn't look at how many balls they hit to the opposite side of the field. Look what the Nationals were pitching. Then you're talking about the guys, the two, two of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball, which is Strasburg and Spencer. Sure if you hit one way off of these guys, you're going to struggle because they got three or four pitches that they'll throw at any time in the count against any pitcher, I mean, against any batter at any given situation. So, and they all coming out the same shoot. And those are the most difficult guys to handle. I just saw the Astros doing a lot of pulling, you know, sticking to one side of the field instead of maybe using the opposite side of the field. Hey, Coach, Kevin Allen. Hey, I have a question for you. Now, I understand that I, I listened to you where the part where you said there, the, the trust factor. Now, you're in a situation like that, and, and, and the trust factor with Grinky was, I guess they— Yeah, I can't they, hear
0: it. I'll try to relate the question. What's the question, Kevin? You no,
2: know, just trying to see what would he do in a situation like that. If the trust factor isn't there, but the guy has it going, what would you do?
0: Okay, so Kevin's question essentially is: if the trust factor isn't there with a guy, but his performance to that point had been contrary to what you, what you, you, your trust factor is, what what would you have done in that situation?
2: Okay, here's the deal. Okay, we got to realize that managing baseball, <laughs> and managing situations like that, it's one of the most difficult things to do. All we have to have sometimes, you know, is those numbers. That we go into with in our head, and then you know what players have done in the past. So again, without a doubt, you know we, you know you, you want to say that you have to coach the game by high field. It's not like that anymore in in baseball. Not with major league baseball. You can't a manager can't bring his philosophy and his field and stuff into the dugout. GMs and owners and stuff. That's not what they want anymore. You have to look at numbers. Remember why. Um, who, who's the manager for the Yankees? Uh, Joe got Girardi because, right. trying to bring, Joe Girardi because he was trying to coach down there instead of look at numbers. He wanted to bring his own philosophy to the dugout. Okay, so you know it's, it's you know we can talk about it again until we blow in the face, but that situation AJ was very adamant that he wanted to pull him one battle before then one battle, battle later. Too late, and and that's just you know the way it played out. You know, in that situation, he gives up a home run off a changeup, a pitch that he left up in the zone against Redone. He walks so uh, on a questionable pitch that probably should have been a strike that would have took that at bat out to 2-2. But in that situation, I just, you know, I got the feeling that he felt like he had eight outs to cover. He got three guys that he's focusing on in the bullpen. And you got to think, with Harris, Osuna, and Cole, that gives me a great chance to get eight outs, guys. Again, I, I just have to say that, you know, we feel, Uh The only thing that I say in that situation is maybe the, the pitch selection against Kendrick because if you think about it, they had been beating Kendrick up in the zone. He looked very, very slow on pitches up in the zone, so they were a lot short on him in the in the uh, postseason. I don't know why they went with that breaking ball on that, that particular pitch other than that's a pitch that Harris had been winning with is his breaking ball, but he had breaking ball back speed on that particular pitch. So I just think it's a little bit of the limited pitch selection. I think if they had stayed hard with him, it may be up in the zone. You know, we'll see a different
0: result. So there you have it. I wanted to sort of uh, have a voice of reason. And Texas Southern head baseball coach Michael Robertson was just that. And, again, he said, hey, you know, it came down to eight outs, and, and more than that, it came down to uh, the fact that the Astros did not capitalize, leaving all those men in scoring position and on base. You just wasted opportunity after opportunity. And it just, you just, you blew it. I don't choke. I don't think choke. After I mean, this team went to seven games against the Dodgers and in the world series they went to six against the yankees they went to five a game deciding a series deciding game five against tampa bay this is not a scared team they just didn't get it done and we underestimated the washington nationals and and that's how it goes unfortunate and i mentioned that the houston team has never lost a game seven when we've lost series we collectively we the city of houston it's always been in a game six or before When we've gone to Game 7 in the NBA Finals against the New York Knicks, we won that. We won game seven against the Dodgers. There was another game. So whatever, uh, what other games, those are the two game sevens uh, that I am thinking of uh, that the Astros won in a championship scenario. So, and I know this has been, it's been a while and we're still kind of, we've sort of moved past this, uh, this world series, but I wanted to do this for posterity. I wanted to have an official record of how devastating this loss was for Houston and Houston fans and Astros fans. Uh, all over. So that's why I did this. Now we should have done this last week, but again, uh, it is what it is, uh, with that going to, uh, hear a word from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we are going to see who was not only nice, but D nice. And we have,
1: Using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832 757 7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Sports Talk with Devin Wade would like to welcome our new sponsor, $5 Jewelry Paradise. With the help of actress, singer, and independent paparazzi consultant Terry Donald, you can enhance your look and treat yourself without breaking the bank. If you need a little sparkle and that just-right accessory to help you shine brighter, visit $5 Jewelry Paradise at $5JewelryParadise.com. You can also join her weekly Facebook Live Party, Thursdays at 8.45pm. Book your very own vending event or home party. And if you think you would like to earn a little extra income, You too can sling some bling by calling 832-296-1716. In addition to looking great and being inexpensive, all jewelry is nickel and lead free. So start shopping now by going to the number five, the word dollar, jewelryparadise.com. Why not treat yourself to a little sparkle so the world can see you shine? Shelly Wade and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade.
0: Welcome back to Briefcast 45, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I want to thank our sponsors, $5JuryParadise.com. Go oh, and check them out. It's the perfect time to do so. It is, uh, what, Christmas is just around the corner, and I am not one to jump on the Christmas bandwagon. Super, super early. I think it ruins the spirit of the season. That's an entirely different conversation. But I do think that if you ration out your monies, if you budget yourself, and again, I'm not telling people how to spend their money uh, other than I suggest you go buy something from $5 Jewelry or go buy a house. Buy a house! from Cobank homes for Christmas. That's a great thing. But I was just about to say that if you, and, and I've tried to do this, I heaven knows I have tried to do this. I say every September, you know what? I am going to every, every time, uh, every couple of weeks or so, every pay period or every, every paycheck, I am going to spend a little bit of money on Christmas gifts So by the time December comes, I can get that extra, uh, bottle of liquor. No, not the extra bottle of liquor. I already have that. So I don't need that, but it will give me an opportunity to get that extra gift. It's for my yard guy or for the mailman or whomever, somebody uh, unanticipated. Oh, somebody visits town that I didn't anticipate and they get a gift. And you know, so that will you know, so anyway, I say that to say, support $5JuryParadise.com, and uh, I think that that is a fun way to have some stocking stuffers uh, going into the Christmas season. With that, let's talk about who uh, who had good weekends, but not who was just nice, but who was de nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice.
1: If you're going to talk
0: about who was d Knight nice, let's start with the players. And it starts with Lamar Jackson. You were the giant killer. You got off. You did work against the New England Patriots. And, and again, now people are opening up that discussion again. And I have to admit that I am really, really surprised by what he's been able to do this season. Is it sustainable? Is it sustainable if I could get it out? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, I I have not been a believer, but boy, he did work. He doesn't seem to get hit hard. Now, again, in my opinion, maybe a little bit skewed because he lost big games in college, and again, U of H put work on him. Uh, Ed Oliver and that D-line for the University of Houston Cougars came up with wins against uh, him and his Louisville Cardinals when he was in college. But I'll say that he's doing work, and he, he did it, and I think maybe it's more of an indictment of the New England Patriots but it's certainly his week. So he was not only nice; he was d nice. In addition to that, Russell Wilson, the NFL MVP, if you ask me, he was 29 of 43 for 378 yards and five touchdowns against a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense who just gives it up like. Well, I won't even say. I won't say anything crude. I'll keep it family. But nonetheless, he uh, proven why he and this team. And th- think about this: Josh Gordon is on the way. And I think the most underrated guy who's always been D-nice this season, Tyler Lockett. And he had a big game, 12 receptions, 152 yards, and two touchdowns. He may very well be the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. Also, in that same game, now, who was nice? Who was D-nice? Galveston, Texas native, Mike Evans, 12 receptions, 180 yards, and a touchdown. Now, if you want to talk about teams that were D-nice, the Miami Dolphins getting off the schneid and getting their first win of the season over the hapless, lowly New York Jets. I mean, nobody thought that I didn't think the Dolphins would win at all. I don't think they care about winning at all, but Coach Brian Flores and that team won their first game. They may not be their last for the season. And again, you talked about Lamar Jackson. I talked about Lamar Jackson. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens. Are they for real? We'll have to see. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers which, uh, they surprised me, they're rounding in the shape. They would be nice they are getting their, themselves going, and this team is not done. And you think about what they're doing at 500 with a backup quarterback. You lose Davion Le- Bell well, two years ago now, and you lose uh, Antonio Brown, and you still are able to do what you're doing with a banged-up running back and running back by committee. And, and you had uh, Edmonds, uh, the running back Edmonds, step up for them this weekend. And, uh, and in addition to that, Samuels, the other running back, is doing work for James Conner, who has been hurt and banged up. So, I mean, look, Mike Tomlin, say what you want about Mike Tomlin. He's doing work, so you got to give him credit. He was D-Nice. Along with his Pittsburgh Steelers, the Los Angeles Lakers—they continue to roll. Now, think a bit about this: uh, winners of six straight. And I, uh, look, I looked at this, and I have it somewhere. This team has scored 118 points in four of the last six games. They're rolling. LeBron is rolling. Is it sustainable? I don't think Anthony Davis' health is, but we'll have to see. But he's—he's he's been amazing. You know, this is D. Nice, Dwight Howard. Not that he's on the level with those guys, but at this point. In his career, he is being tremendously productive, and you have to give him some credit because some of the stuff that he's doing on the court, including shooting 79% from the field, he's giving them a few rebounds, he's giving them some block shots, he's giving them some assists and some valuable minutes off of the bench. So congratulations to him. He was the nice and finally the Los Angeles Chargers. Again, this is a team that I picked to go to the Super Bowl. They beat up on a hungover Green Bay Pack. I don't wanna know about that. But they beat up on the Green Bay Packers at home, which was a home field advantage, believe it or not, for uh, the Green Bay Packers. But they came up with a big win, and they all were D nice I just think it's amazing that certain teams don't go away. And certain trends happen year after year. I mean, you look at what Kansas City is doing, that they continue. Even though, you know, they have lost Pat Mahomes, they continue to do what they do. Pittsburgh just doesn't go away, even when they probably should from a talent standpoint. And, of course, you know, the Patriots will continue to get better. So uh, a lot of NBA stuff that we'll be mixing in as well with who's nice and uh, who's the nice. And you know what? I wasn't going to do it, but I do want to get a little bit into the blues. Right. Now, I don't want to get too deep into the blues, but there's some things that I want to get into when you talk about what goes up. The yin to the yang or the yang to the yin. So whatever, however that goes, Uh, there's some teams that just did not do well and have the blues. But first of all, I have the blues about something. Horse racing. You know, I'm, I don't. I don't i do not know how to be about this. I don't want to be this sort of environmentalist guy, super, super, you know, animals. But yeah, I am. I just love the animals. And I know that that can open me up to criticism because I do eat meat. Although I have not eaten meat in eight or nine weeks. But I'll say this. At Santa Anita's racetrack, they lost uh, their 39th horse this year. 39th who to die this year they had this big thing uh i guess the breeders cup big thing nationally televised and I knew going into it, and they said, "Well, the, the, the track had had all sorts of tragedies all year long, and, and you know they had brought in brought in uh, veterinarian for every single horse. They were changing procedures. They went, they X-rayed the course. They did all of this stuff, and still, during prime time television, the the really the hypocrisy, the the sort of the dismissive nature of how this thing happened, and was a microcosm for the sport itself. What happened was. The race was going on. I saw a horse pull up, but instead, all they concentrated on for at least the first five, ten minutes uh, was whoever the winner was, and they were hugging and kissing and all of this. But a horse had to be euthanized, a Mongolian groom had to be put down, and it just—you know—it's—I hate to sound like I'm, you know, this sort of uh, this tree hugger. But, I mean, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm ready to call for a ban on the sport, but should we be just killing horses for our entertainment? I don't I don't think that's right. And if you can't ensure the safety of these animals and, and I know that, that you can go to concussions in football for humans. You can go to concussions in soccer for female soccer players. You can also go to boxing where people die. But at least they have consented to participate in these things. Horses don't have a choice and I know that maybe the greater good for the for horse's period is to have them involved in horse racing and let's face it if you win a Kentucky Derby you have a great life cuz you put out the stud so our life is just good all the way around if you win but if you don't i mean this was this was terrible and that gave me the for real blues. Also, in addition to that, Gardner Minshew, who you know everybody was imitating this guy, he was the man of the hour. Well, he's back on the bench. He is. Uh, he was horrible. He turned over the ball three times in the fourth quarter in London versus the Texans. He was just not good at all. And so you know what? He still has the blues, and he'll have them because Nick Foles is back in Week Eleven, and he will be playing. Uh, also, Cam Newton still got the blues for Cam Newton. Put him on IR. He is not going to return this year. And so many people are speculating that he's done in Carolina. That would be a surprise of sorts. But I guess you keep hearing enough uh, smoke that there has to be fire there. So Cam may be done and be hitting the open market. So I don't think he's done as a football player. I guess he has plantar fasciitis in uh, uh, I, I think I pronounced that correctly, uh, and in the uh, one of his feet, and um, and I, he's just not well. He's just beaten up. Uh, he's been uh, he's taken a lot of punishment. But don't forget how good this guy was. He didn't always handle things correctly uh, with media and stuff like that. But he is a you know the, the guy's the real deal. So uh, you know. But again, we hope he gets well. But right now he still has the blues. He's out for the year. Uh, the Browns, uh, and I'll get more into the Browns and uh, the Jets. The Packers' offense put up 11 points on the road. So all of those teams, hey, no matter what you call it, it's still called the Blues.
2: And it's still called them Blues, y'all.
0: All right. Yeah, there's a lot of Blues going around in the NFL. You know, this is a weird, weird year, especially at the quarterback position. If you look at all the quarterbacks who have had some issues, whether it be Cam Newton or Pat Mahomes, a Drew Brees, or I mean, there are a number of guys around this league who just hadn't been able to, uh, to perform and stay healthy, and it's really hurting the overall play of the league. E- even when the quarterback is not necessarily hurt, but just not that good, uh, Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago, so it's not going well. A lot of teams around the NFL still have the blues, but with that, want to get into. The Lamont
2: Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboat and no life preserver and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big
0: dummy. Of course, the Lamont Award goes to the person or persons or a team or situation that we deem to be a uh, dumb or you are a big dummy for whatever your involvement is in whatever situation. And first and foremost, let me thank you guys so much for all your suggestions and all of the, uh, the Facebook input on the uh, nominating Lamont award, uh, uh, creating Lamont award nominees. I look at those and I appreciate them. And in most cases you guys are dead on. And I almost selected a guy that you nominated or uh, via Facebook or uh, the sports talk with Devin Wade page on Facebook. Uh, It's a guy named Jermaine Whitehead, a form now former. Cleveland Brown, but he's a part of a bigger issue and I'll tell you more about that because Jermaine Whitehead certainly did enough to earn the Lamont Award. What, essentially what he did was he went on a Twitter rant after the Cleveland Browns lost to the Denver Broncos without Joe Flacco, another Allen. I think this is the third Allen at quarterback this year and he got his first start. I don't even know his name, but Joe Flacco was out. Denver beat the Cleveland Browns, not the Cleveland Browns, a two and six, but not enough, not enough for him. He grew tremendously frustrated, and he threatened and went to war, Wanted that smoke with all of Twitter. And then that, first of all, that is so stupid. And then you got into where you threatened people with violence, and now your borderline criminal behavior comes into play. So all of that stuff happened, he's clearly a big dummy. But then you you pull back from him a little bit. And so a, the kid is 26 years old. He cannot handle the pressure. He said he was playing with a broken hand, which... I understand that. I really do understand that. But if you are out there to play, you're playing and you really can't lean totally on that. Unless you are like a Kevin Durant situation where you need to come in and win a championship. But if you're out there, that means you can play. And so you went out there and presumably you could play and you couldn't and you and maybe that wasn't an excuse for his play maybe he he leaned on that a little bit but then he said he brought it up but then he said it wasn't that wasn't an excuse for his play but nonetheless he threatened people and went to war with several people on twitter in the locker room so much so that before he even left the stadium he was banned or suspended by by twitter for his language threatening to hurt and kill people whatever whatever the specific threat was but nonetheless i didn't give to him because uh, there's a lot of pressure on these kids and i say kids he's a grown-ass man but you know you're 26 years old you have all the pressure in the world on you you get you know that your your situation is in peril if you didn't play that well but you don't you just don't do that and my whole thing is why go on social media Cause I I know I want to engage people. There's so many times I want to go on on social media and respond to something or go at somebody because there's a lot of hate out there. There's a lot of keyboard gangsters out there and you want to respond to those people because it's just your visceral response to things. So I understand that. And so I won't, he lost his job. He got cut. The Browns cut him. So I don't want to kick him when he's down to give him the Lamont award. Uh, But I do warn these guys. Why are you looking at Twitter in the locker room? Cool off get away from it and then leave the negative all the negative stuff alone anyway until you're ready to handle it there's a cooling off period in the locker room after games where the media has to wait about 15 minutes before they go in this is to allow these guys to decompress for just a moment Take a deep breath before they have to answer questions to the media. It should be the same thing for Twitter. And maybe even longer for Twitter. Because you're not getting criticism in that kind of criticism when you get questions from the media. If you open up Twitter, you never know what you're gonna get. So I feel bad for the young man. What he did was stupid, but he's you know, he's young. He went to Auburn, He's from Greenwood, Mississippi, and he just he just made a bad mistake. You read Twitter when you shouldn't have. And uh, you responded when you shouldn't have. You can't fight Twitter. You just you can't do it. And he found out the hard way. He sends one on Instagram and apologized. And I know, I I believe that that's sincere. And I hope the kid gets another chance to play in the NFL. But that was a, a dummy move. But that's just one of three or four by this week's recipient of the Lamont Award. That's the Cleveland Browns as an organization. First of all, everybody said that they were going, to do all this work because of Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry and Miles Garrett and Baker, most importantly, Baker Mayfield. What do they do at two and six? Well, you got one guy cussing out Twitter. He's fighting Twitter. He's at at war on Twitter or with Twitter. You have another guy in Baker Mayfield. Well, no, let's let's save him for last. You have two other guys in Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. who are told by the NFL, if you don't change your cleats at halftime, you can't get back in the game. So here's the deal. You, You have so many things going on. You're getting caught up with some damn cleats you're two and six do whatever you got to do to comply i'm sure those guys knew they were gonna kiss smoke from the league for wearing those cleats but they did it anyway but even if they didn't you should be wearing black shoes with white shoestring. no name you're two and six and you have not done anything compared to what you were expected to do in a division that is down minus Baltimore who was sorting uh, starting to emerge come on man Th- this is ridiculous you weren't about cleats but it gets worse and a team that was say that, that they say well hey well you're not going to have any leaks in this locker room and, and with that organization you have a quarterback a quarterback a starting quarterback and it, it a starting quarterback because i want to say so much but let me pace myself here you have a starting quarterback that shaved three times in one day all during the course of coming into the stadium playing a game or actually coming out for the game then in the post-game press conference baker mayfield shaved three times he had a full beard when he came into the stadium Okay, so he shaves before he goes on to the field with some sort of handlebar mustache, which is supposed to be good luck for him. No, no, good luck is studying your damn playbook, reading defenses, not turning over the ball more than anybody else in the NFL in the fourth quarter. That's what is good luck for you. But instead you said you you had a handlebar um, mustache because you never lost with a handlebar mustache. And then you said, well, afterwards you didn't deserve that, so you shaved before uh, you went out to the press conference. This is so stupid. It's not even – I mean – can you imagine what they would have done to Vince Young had he done this? Can you imagine what they would have done to so many other quarterbacks had they done something so stupid at 2-6? and six? You're expected to win the division and make a run in the playoffs. You're 2-6. and six. None of the three guys that I mentioned, none of the four guys I mentioned are playing exceptionally well. I don't think Odell's the problem. And he can end all this by throwing Baker under the bus. So I commend him for his restraint at this point. But I'll tell you what, Freddie Kitchens, the Cleveland Browns organization, first of all, you shouldn't have hired a coach that's never been a, even a coordinator in the NFL. What you did, and this is what makes look, look. Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson was not the problem. It's the organization. It's the entire organization, not Hugh Jackson. So I say all of that to say that the Cleveland Browns at 2-6, and six, shaving three times during sunday sunday in and around a football game an important football game wearing the wrong shoes cussing out twitter for all of those reasons and more the cleveland browns you are a big set of dummies you
2: big dummy
0: <laughs> <laughs> with that before i let go before I before I let go, hey, I want to thank my man Larry the Chatterbox Hill for making sure I had that Michael Robertson interview. I want to thank my callers, Nate, and, of course, Elwin Henderson. And I want to remind you guys, hey, you can call, too. Hit me up on Twitter On Facebook You can call me every day 24 hours a day And we have operators standing by Or at least a very dependable Voicemail system set up for you Want to thank our sponsors $5DrewParadise.com And I want to thank Cobank Homes And I want to thank you guys For talking about the show Sharing it Listening And uh, commenting Liking Subscribing All of those things Thank you so much And as always Have a great day.